Hi, my name is Fyodor and I'm joined by my co-host Joel. Today we are speaking about social isolation. We will have a group discussion to understand how this issue affects a variety of people coming from all walks of life. Hi, my name is Joel and Fyodor and I am at the Disability Channel for the 14-week internship program. Fyodor and I show a passion for helping people with disabilities and mental health issues. We both have experience with a disability, so we thought that it would be a good idea to talk about this topic. And after our discussions with the group, we can take their feedback and help not only ourselves, but others as well. Both of us hope that talking about social isolation will help the listeners understand the complexities of this issue that affects a variety of people. Welcome everybody. Well, Andrew, Nan, Denzel. Uh, I will start off with Andrew if he wants to start. How do you personally deal with isolation on a day-to-day -day basis? Isolation on a day-to-day basis, I feel Le so Lean forward, always oh, like sorry. just sit forward so that you're able to so start again. I isolation on a day-to-day -day basis, I try and uh, make sure that I make social contact with others, visit a library, take a walk, make sure you're surrounded by others so that you're not isolated all the time. And how do you then? How do I deal with social yes, how do you deal with Well, in many different ways. I'm very conscious of the surroundings which I live at, and I have to, or I'm aware of there's a lot of different people there, and I'm, I have to, uh, I, I don't know if the right terminology, mitigate where I'm going that morning. I know, for example, I was going today to, and to make sure that my goal is to get down and have a breakfast. So I'm making contact with staff, even if I don't want to. I have to get through the maze, if you will. Um, I also check in at the computer because people contact me and send me emails, and I'll see like who, who tried to contact me. Is there someone I want to contact today or later? Uh, like that. Um, my daughter, uh, who's in California, um, I, I we have an ongoing, a very long conversation since birth. Uh, so I, I check in to see if she has responded to an email I sent. So that's sort of like the types of things I'm doing. And also future planning, uh, for example, uh, Brands for Canada. Um, I, in terms of the isolation, um, I use my, my mind to think that um, how can these people work with me to fulfill my goals? That's how I deal with isolation. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And uh, Denzel, how do you how do you handle uh, how do you handle uh, isolation on a day to day basis? Mm -hmm. okay. You haven't spent some time going going out, like to like shopping malls and in like in libraries do you do you find that that's helpful yeah okay thank you are you uncomfortable at family gatherings and how does it affect you i don't have any family here uh so you, you said you made people that live in canada gatherings okay so um in, in that respect uh, i'm i'm part of the we're all connected in the sense 
I could have friends here that become my family. Well, well, there are different holidays, quote unquote, for example, and there are people of different faiths there, for example. And uh, they may have, for example, if it's uh, Christmas time or Easter, or if it's Passover or whatever, um, there are other residents. So you're kind of conscious that there are people that that's very important to them in terms of this big group of 140 people. Um, and other people are, just want to spend time in their own rooms and just relax and do whatever they want to do, their faith, their, whether it's Easter, Passover, or whatever, if they're agnostic, etc. So you have all different kinds of people um, on there, but um, I, I think I'm, I'm very, my, my faith is very important to me. So uh, I think I'm, it's a, a daily basis thing. It's 24-7. It's, uh, Thank you, Nan. <laughs> Does anybody f find it difficult to speak at social gatherings? Well, that's an interesting uh, comment because um, there's all different types of social gatherings. And depending on not only maybe how I'm feeling that particular day, it's also how I perceive, if, is this a, a gathering that I really want to become intimate in terms of talking very deeply with someone? So I, I guess on some level, um, maybe subconsciously uh, planning in advance or during how I get involved or don't get involved. Sometimes, I guess, when you're meeting new people, you don't know whether you should approach them or not during a social gathering. and. Uh, and what to talk to them about is always an issue. So you don't want, you want to be polite if you're going to talk to them, but you don't know. They might not be like from the same background or have the same interests, so mm -hmm. that's an idea um, mm -hmm. that you can, that you don't always know. That's very interesting. I, uh, I do the exact same thing when I go to a, to a gathering. Like I, uh, to a social gathering, I went uh, to uh, one just recently and uh, it made me feel a little, a little bit nervous. Um, when I say social gathering, uh, I sort of went for a uh, interview. I have the uh, same experiences as you, Andrew. Uh, I went uh, to volunteer at St. Felix, and uh, I wasn't sure if I would be uh, capable of doing what I was gonna do with, uh, with the meeting the new people there and so forth, and uh, responsibilities and so forth, but it, it turned out a little bit better than I thought. I, I could also relate to social gatherings and then, you know, you would just try to break the ice with as, as many people as possible so that you could ease the atmosphere. How do you motivate yourself to speak in a crowd? So normally what I would do to like motivate myself to speak in a crowd is like, I'd try to just, uh, just like blend in with the crowd and then slowly, slowly become like an individual out of it just like since <laughs> since like uh, in, in high school like I could I I guess I would have uh, an example for that where like on the very first day of like school right you don't know who you're going to meet and what like social groups would you be in right until you know two or three days or like a week after and then suddenly you would just find yourself in like your own group, which becomes like your family over time. Yeah, I uh, I'm like you, I'm like you, Fedora. I but uh, I do I handle it a little bit differently. Uh, 
of course through school and uh, other things I've uh, in crowds I've um, I've had certain problems because when I was younger I was shy when I was younger I was shy and uh, I didn't necessarily want to go and talk to the person that was there that I need to speak to because uh, as soon as I get in, as soon as I got in my, my stomach would tie up and I would feel really warm and very agitated to a certain degree and I would uh, I would then I would just have to just go and meet them and introduce myself even if I spoke quietly anybody else on what motivates you to speak in crowds my God and faith motivates me to speak in crowds it gives me the confidence to move forward and do that because I'm it's not all about my ego so that I, I'm, get, I'm getting it out of the way from the get-go, so it makes it come easy, easier, easier. Okay, but do you have any hobbies as well? Do I have hobbies? Do you have any hobbies that you do to help you, you know, meditate or motivate yourself? Well, I, I, I said it, I'm a, uh, I'm a bookaholic. Mm -hmm. I've been that my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, I've always kept busy. I've been my own company many times in my life because I always wanted to learn and learn more. And, and even doing research on my own uh, keeps me busy, a very good hobby, if you want to call it a hobby, um, whether it's research on the internet or it's research talking to people or trying to connect with people once I have an idea that I want to follow through on. Uh, I don't know if I'm on the right topic here in answering the question, but yes, I, I do have hobbies and I have passions, and my passions are connected to my hobbies. Uh, running a karaoke group, well, I went as originally just with a friend just to experience it. I was scared to do death doing karaoke. The thought of singing with people, let alone in front of people, it was like I thought I could, I could not do it. And um, I ended up not only doing this, and I ended up socializing with people that I wouldn't normally socialize with, which is very significant, like how we sometimes typecast people, like these people are that, so they must only be that. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Biases or, or jumping to conclusions. And um, it, it doesn't mean I would normally choose to hang out with these people forever, but they like me and it was a very good experience and I wasn't totally um, shamed. After I went public with the first song, I wasn't in total shame because I was, I was really scared to do karaoke, I have no idea. Um, it also was really challenged for me with, with MS, going out in front of, I think I was the only body person there that used like a walker and I, I always, you know, thought, well, oh, I can't, you know, these people are younger, or they're this or that, I have a walker, can I go out and join the group and then sing? Isn't that a little over the top for me to try to do as something different? And it wasn't, um, and it, but with that I will say, I'm very conscious of my safety, and sometimes I get stressed out about it, not because people are mean, People don't mean to be mean because people are trying to help that care about me or even care about others is that people sometimes don't understand about what that person's disability has and what it is for them to be able to manage to get through life. And that's because that's a very important thing, I think, in terms of working with uh, or being with being there are so many people with disabilities. 
uh, is that um, in our attempts to be well-meaning, there's no such thing as 100% perfection. <laughs> I'll say right off the bat, even if you're the kindest person in the world, there's not 100% perfection in terms of aiding that person. Do you find drop-ins helpful? Drop-ins are, I think drop-ins are good because they're not so structured and there's not pressure on you to meet dead timelines and the transit's not great. Um, so I think drop-ins um, are easy to come and go when you like, and you can meet new friends there and uh, talk to others. So I think, yeah, I think drop-ins are a good way to meet others and, uh, and help break down social barriers. I go to drop-ins sometimes. How hard is it to cope with your surroundings when uh, difficulties come up? Anybody? <laughs> um, I find that it's hard to uh, cope sometimes because I have uh, I have sometimes I have a whole bunch of things uh, on the go sometimes I have a deadline for, for some I feel as though I, I cannot fulfill them and it kind of gives me uh, a really bad feeling it's hard to describe but I uh, because I always promise people I'm going to do something and I believe in keeping my word to the best of my ability, but I I can't like like uh, Nan said earlier on. I'm not 100 100% perfect, and and I, and I and I know that. But once I get it done, I feel a lot better. I find that like stressful situations with my surroundings, I would tend to I tend to listen a lot since it's easier for information to get absorbed. But occasionally, when like stresses would come up, I would just try to focus on the now instead of past events, I guess. Thank you very much. Do you ever get stressed out or have anxiety during the day? Like, for example, like what causes it or, uh, and how do you deal with it? Oh, I can, I can feel stressed out about um, getting to places at a certain time, but particularly I don't drive anymore. And even if I did drive, um, given the way this world is with transportation, that in itself stresses me out. That's one example. Um, you mentioned like obligations to others, having commitments to others, wanting to come through for and with them. Uh, also, dealing with the here and now versus uh, one day at a time. That's what I have to do because, and I remind myself all the time because I'm a typical type A personality. I've been my entire life. Uh, with or without MS, and I really have to realize that I, without going, I'm not trying to give a sermon here, but when I became, and when I became born again, it changed my whole life. And by that, I mean that when I gave up feeling that I had to come up with all the answers, and if I didn't, it was because I was too weak, or I, was, I wasn't good enough, smart enough, or, or whatever, I'm just not being trying to be facetious. It made a tremendous difference in my life and the way I live my life. In regard to the question and the anxiety is I read the Bible. I go to the Bible every day, every night. I ask questions. I look for answers because it's all there. And I, and I will generally tell you up front that if I picked up a Bible, uh, it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, it didn't, it didn't because the meaning of the word is all... God already had a plan for us, even before we were born. And especially when you think about 
um, not only if, if you become a parent, that when you think this whole responsibility that I found out that God loves me and no matter what has happened, and everybody has, you know, certain things have happened in their life that have, are sad, happy, whatever, that they're carrying around in their heart. And it, it made, uh, even how I conduct like therapy with clients, it, it radically changed my, how I do my work. And if I'm talking too much, the answer, I guess I am because I'm, I'm a complex, I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, I, I just am. Uh, Denzel, how do you handle your stress and your anxiety? And what causes it? Uh, what, what causes it is, I guess we're worrying, worrying a lot causes it, especially if it's situations that are out of my control. Do you find it uh, hard to manage? Yeah. Yes, I, 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 I'm, I'm like that at times. Managing my, uh, my stress and my anxiety as well. Is there anybody else that has the, that feeling? I, I guess I could also have like, I, I, I could relate to things. I, I'd like be an example for today, since I have like an audition and I'm focusing a lot on my lines ahead of the day. So I'm already kind of zoned out with my own thinking. So I guess I'm a living example. Do you find it hard to speak to coworkers or employers when at work? Like in previous work settings that you guys have been, was it difficult to reach out to an employer if you guys were like stressed out? Yes, uh, one of the one of the workplaces I worked at, I worked at for many number of years. When I first went uh, to work there, I didn't know anybody and it was very nerve. Ner I was very nervous. Ner nervous, nerve, nerve, a nerve uh, breaking. Whatever. I uh, because nobody. I would ask. Nobody would want to answer your questions. Everyone seemed to be not against each other, but there there was a lot of people who didn't like one another at the time. So it was a very difficult place to work until they made some uh, changes. But still, even after years, I I've always uh, had problems. When it came to uh, changes, I'm writing down all of the all of my orders, like from from the customers, then I then to the computer. So it would be kind of difficult to like speak out to employers, I guess. Is what you're trying yes. to say? Yeah. At times, but but I never had any issues speaking with the uh, with the clients on the customers on the phone. That was part of my uh, one of my jobs is to do reception as well, speak on the phones and uh, take orders. Anybody else? Can I ask you a question, Joel? Sure. Um, were you, in a sense, saying that um, taking customer orders was, was easy and pleasant as compared to dealing with e.g. co-workers or staff, um, like managers? Yes, because I, was talk I, because I was talking on the phone. I mean, I was talking to other people, right? Mm -hmm. But I was talking on the phone because I I didn't have to talk to any of my coworkers and I didn't mind asking questions but some of my coworkers they weren't very they were they weren't very helpful because some they had their days because they had uh, they had mental health issues. So they had their days where it was difficult. Like they had, they had bad they were in bad moods and, and so forth and they uh, they didn't like being around anybody. Mm -hmm. So it was better sometimes just to stay out of their way because mm -hmm. and also i really didn't need the uh, the abuse and i didn't really need it i really didn't, didn't need it when when we were, when it was like really busy during the uh day i guess sometimes um 
in some workplaces people are at different levels or different titles and therefore some people think that they're more important their job's more important so you don't spend time to uh, help you doing yours and so different groups form so it can be not the best because different people get along and then others don't talk to you so when you're trying to work together not too many personalities can be difficult to manage all at once I find and that's what I would say. How, how was mental health awareness dealt in in education when you guys were like in like high school or university or college? I'm looking for any answers. <laughs> uh. How was it dealt with? In many different ways. How much the parents could afford to pay was a big factor of whether someone maybe went for uh, mental health support. That's one thing that could have happened. Um, also, be, being different ages along the path, I had different responses to my own, my own mental well-being at at 20 versus that I'm older. Um, I think it varied. Um, also, uh, if it related to like the schools itself, um, because I'm, I'm very, very educated. What do I think about it? Do I think that everything I got in the education was necessarily something I use? No, not necessarily. And not, I didn't, uh, it was also getting a degree to be able to do what I wanted to do, which is a whole other, uh, you could have a discussion about that. But uh, relating to specifically mental health, I feel very passionate about it not only for myself, but for everybody. Because every person, whether they're uh, a child or a grandmother or a grandfather, or, or they have a relative that at some time has struggled in pain with a mental health issue. And I think that um, because I come from the professional world, I've sometimes gotten frustrated with people with titles, quote unquote. Sometimes doctors, MSWs even, which I am, disappointed in some of the, the um, responses people have had to situations. And, and that I'll say that when people are part of a system, it's just almost like um, to become an advocate takes a lot of courage to step out of the box. And sometimes you have to make the choice, well, do I want to put food on my kid's table tonight? Well, maybe I should keep my mouth shut. Uh, I know, I, I'm not going into a huge detail, but I feel very. Uh, I feel. I, I. I love young people. I always have. Even before I have my own. My own young person. And uh, I. In terms of the work that I've done and do with people, is that um, in terms of mental health, that no one had a perfect childhood, whether they were rich or poor. Start out with that. And and probably ideally, we would say that we all had two wonderful parents. And the reality is, 99% of us did not. And not because they were bad, because they grew up and had a history with their own parents who thought they were doing the right thing. They have like IEP programs because like when when I was going through like high school they put me in like an IEP program which sort of helped with like my own education and then an entire new path. You're talking about an intervention that someone identified that would help you if you had some kind of obstacles is that correct? Sort of? Sure people were, were struggling they were definitely struggling and but some some people at that time were into the flower power time and <laughs> utilized uh, medi medication or whatever to deal with their mental health obstacles. Um, and then and then in school itself, many of us like I've gone to many different schools where I I, I mean undergrad where I started and versus where I ended up. And being that I started off at a place called Goddard College, which is in Vermont, which was 
I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to go there. There was no grades, no grades. And that sounded like, whoa. And you could, do, you, you could design your own curriculum. And I thought, you know, you got to get mom and dad, you got to let me go there. And then I heard about people that were the professors there, and I thought it was going to be the best thing and everything like that. But in reality, it was not the place for me. And it's, it's still there. And it was not, I needed, I needed more structure, to be quite honest. I don't know how they really formally did. Disgusting. Maybe, maybe among the uh, students might, you know, say to a friend, you know, I'm feeling really depressed or wiped out or I'm bored or whatever. I, I, and I'm sure they had uh, professors there that, you know, did some kind of curriculum t to identify identify it. Sure. Has social isolation affected any type of re uh, relationship you have? Being uh, socially isolated from certain groups, yes, I had that. I was always the social outcast, the one that stands out from a crowd, the black sheep, the middle child. I don't know, I, I would find myself, like, it, it would be very hard to distinguish my own solitude with isolation, and at times it would just, like, shift from, like, you know, people don't, people don't want to feel alone. We we at times want to be out alone with ourselves, but we don't want to feel alone in a group. And that essentially like in my experience and like in high school it or, or even like elementary school it, it goes to the point where it was just like oh i guess you get used to your own solitude, especially in this day and age where we're surrounded by technology. Uh, uh it's affected me with in uh in uh my relationship with my uh my marriage uh, years ago but I mean we my wife and I worked it out but uh, it, it was difficult at times because uh, I didn't like to uh, keep on telling her she wanted to go this place and that place and I didn't want to do anything so uh, she found that kind of offensive I mean not offensive but she she was bothered about that until I actually explained why I do things and then she sort of understood a little bit, but still I didn't want to uh, disappoint her. Uh, however, it came out is I just had to move forward and focus on issues like uh, like uh, going to family gatherings. I always dread going to her, uh, to her family because her family gatherings, she was Italian and I didn't feel as though I fit into the crowd. I had a lot of issues with the language barrier as well too because sometimes I would be the only one speaking English there and they would all speak, be speaking Italian and I would be wondering if they would be you know, talking about me or assuming things or, or not liking me because I wasn't Italian, you know, because it's part of their culture. I've had an experience similar to that too, many a times, but I'd rather not like discuss since there were like a lot of events of those. I guess. Have you ever experienced any feedback from anyone close to you that makes you reconsider how you deal with social isolation? I've, yes, I've had, uh, I've had uh, experiences where um, and I had feedback from people saying that I should be a little bit more social. They called me, they didn't call me, but they said I was sort of anti-social. Uh, and even though I explained to them that I felt a little bit uncomfortable around some understanding because I, some of the people I use maps. For the, for the very first time 
it sort of makes me look at how I uh, had uh, act, like how I how I approach things back then in the present when I was younger, and now uh, I still I still have issues, but uh, I can speak a little bit more better in a crowd. People. So like the older you got, the more feedback you received. Yes, yes. Many anybody else? I guess maybe uh, maybe in a workplace, people think you should talk more. Communication is always important. Somebody said that to you. Sometimes you're nervous with just different people in the crowd, so it happens. The older you get, I think the more confidence you get. Yeah. In speaking in public. They think I should, uh, yeah, they said that I should speak more. So, like, w was it from, like, friends or family? That um, both. Both? Okay, that's good. Or even, even at work, too? Or did you work on it? And, like, did it help with, like, the, uh, basically, like, the older you got, the more confidence you gained? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That the research says that, that a lot of people, the older they get, the more self-confident they get and being more vocal about their opinions. You would think it would be the opposite. It, 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 well, you know, that's an interesting thing because one hint, hint, if you pick up a magazine, uh, it's not only women, it's men too. It's like there's articles, there's photographs, there's advertisement of how to be better, thinner, smarter, all these things of that you're not good enough. On the other hand, the research shows that a lot of people are are trying to get better, you know, thinking, well, I gotta become a size seven by next Friday, and if I do these push-ups and whatever, at the same time, uh, a, a, a lot of women, women in particular, are saying, no, my body says I at this age I can't. I, I never could, and I never would, and I, I don't. There's other things that are more important to me than my waistline. How can the post-secondary environment? I I need your guys's thought. I, I'm really actually curious. But how how do you see like over the next ten or so years, like the the mental health landscape? becoming more and more aware institutions like universities and colleges how do you, how do you guys see it gradually change over time uh, i haven't set foot in a college in about 25 years or so um but it was a very but how i see it it's it's a very demanding issue right now because uh it's going to become one of the uh biggest issues I, I think in the future, um, and or, it already is already, and um, people are starting to focus on mental health issues, and which is really good, uh, but uh, they need to do a little bit more better, a little bit more better uh, at uh, concentrating on it, uh, because because uh, because like Liz mentioned, there was suicides. Uh, even you mentioned there was suicide at U of T recently. Yep. Uh, I don't know, a couple months ago or so, we were saying. Yep. And uh, when I worked at York University, we had uh, we had a section where, where the student union had a section where uh, if you had uh, if you were stressed out or if you were if you had a form of anxiety or whatever was troubling you, you could go go to go to that place. And I understand that there's some programs now that are being offered in the universities as well as the colleges that you can uh, go and you can speak with a, I guess you can call it like a, a life coach, whatever, or there's students uh, or there's student bodies that can refer you and they can help you 
focus on your education, and they can also counsel you on your uh, on your mental health issues. Uh, so that, so that, so so they're not combined together. So you're not totally stressed out. I think people have to bring it to the forefront, like um, talk about it with others, talk about it with your. Uh, staff members access to counseling probably and uh, even with your friends see it's not an issue that people like to talk about some people with uh, others so just I think more more uh, awareness well I read an article I don't know, one month in the Italian community I forget the name of the gentleman and his son committed suicide and he was a excellent athlete he was a very good student he was helping everybody else. And on the, f on the surface, he presented to the world family that everything was okay. And he committed suicide. And father, I don't know his name, but he started something here in Canada from that, that suicide because he doesn't want anybody else to go through that, any other student, any other family. In relation to the question that we were talking about, he talked about the different gen in the Italian culture, for example, the shame. You didn't talk about mental illness in the family. It's self-reliant, okay? Self-reliant. That generation, the younger people, are more open to discussing mental health issues. So in regard to the school itself, uh, I think that we have to have, even in the curriculum, we have a lot of focus on getting our bodies into shape. We have to also have focus on our mental, our mental health shape. Just have more conversations about, about it. Can I just add one thing? Uh, Nan, Nan said it towards the end of her, her uh, when she spoke. That, uh, but I think that uh, dealing with dealing with mental health, I think it needs to be focused, and it needs to be start being talked to and learned in uh, the early ages of school, like when you start. I don't know. I don't know if you can say kindergarten, but uh, maybe grade one. And there should be there should be a, a, a portion of the uh, of the uh, class, maybe thirty minutes or so, where it's actually discussed because it's important for everybody. Because some students uh, they go home and they have to deal with uh, a mother or a father that's depressed, and sometimes. They don't go to work sometimes they're curled up and or they're sleeping on the couch or in the room. They don't do anything. And uh, You mean the parent? The parent, yes. And uh, it's not it's not a good it's not a good thing if the if the child wants to bring home a friend to the house to socialize. I, I, I agree with everyone that like both the Toronto District School Board and the entire educational board of any of any school. I'm talking about like the world mental health awareness has to be top priority because it can either cost a life it could cost m many different things and we all just want to live on earth peacefully despite the chaos that is happening we're we just want to see another tomorrow i would like to thank the listeners especially our guests for taking the time to speak with us about this issue today Fedora.
A special mention to the Disability Channel for providing this amazing opportunity for us to speak about these topics which impact our community. The Disability Channel is an innovative media company that provides employment opportunities within the area of digital media. Joel and I are participants of the Digital Ventures program which provides digital skills, upgrade courses. All of us are participants of the Digital Ventures program which provides digital skills, upgrade courses and on-the-job paid learning experience for people with diverse abilities. To learn more, visit www.thedisabilitychannel.ca and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. The Disability Channel, showcasing abilities.